Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome to May 7th, 2023, Sunday Take. I'm your host, Boyce Olson. This week was the work of conference committees, and some of them happened in the open and some of them didn't. But the deals are getting made at the Capitol. And business and other interests are starting to see just what the stakes are. The question is, who will step in and will there be a showdown at the end within the DFL? From the left to the moderates to the governor, what will happen? And we're going to check in with Mary LaHammer from TPT on what she's hearing at the Capitol. We're going to talk to Chris. Johnson, steelworkers uh, leader up on the Iron Range. We're going to talk to him about what these new leases mean on an issue we've been following for quite some time. But first, a message from Minnesota Corn. Look, of all the farmland in Minnesota, it is owned 99% by Minnesota families. Yes, all the farmland in Minnesota, 99% owned by Minnesota families. So The people who are farming in Minnesota have the future of Minnesota in mind. And that especially comes up when we're talking about soil health. Because sustainability means that the land has to be sustainable to continue to grow crops and produce crops that feed Minnesota, that feed the Midwest, that feed the world. Let's face it, there's a lot of drama out there right now, but farmers care more about soil health than anybody else, and they care about their soil health. And so they're working very hard to update their practices, to make sure that the fertilizers and the treatments manage the land, the water, so that they can continue to farm there. There's just so much drama out there on anything political right now. But you know who doesn't like drama? Farmers. And we shouldn't like it either. So let's focus on what's working in Minnesota. And the fact is Minnesota corn growers are making sure the land is working with healthy soil, clean water, and land that they have depended on for years and that we can depend on years as families as 99% of Minnesota farmland is farmed by farmers. That's the Minnesota Corn Sustainable Minute. Next up, Chris Johnson, 
steelworkers, Hibtech Mines. What's the future with these new leases going to Cleveland Cliffs? I'm Blaise Holson. You're listening to the Sunday Take on News Talk 830 WCCO. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Our first interview this week on Sunday Take is with Chris Johnson. He is uh, one of the leaders of the steelworkers in Minnesota and especially on the iron range uh, and news that uh, there's some operations getting ready to be restarted by Cleveland cliffs on the iron range. So a topic we've talked about on Sunday take before, and I wanted to catch up with Chris to kind of get his view and the view from on the ground there. Chris, thanks for joining me. You bet. So can you give folks a little history about uh, these particular mines um, and why they've been dormant? So what's been happening is there's a um, section of leases over in the uh, town of Nashwalk. Um, they, in the back in the day, they were a active mine that shut down and there's still very, very good ore reserves there. Um, and, you know, over the past, boy, er, probably early 2000s, I would imagine, is when places started to kind of try and make a go of it there. Um, since I've been in my position as the president of uh, Local 2705 at Hibbing Taconite, Cleveland Cliffs has been trying to get those leases, but they were always running up against, you know, a, a wall, basically. Um, and we were always outside looking in, and the state was kind of... Um, giving them to this uh, SR, Massab Metallics, whatever they're called at this time, yep. you know. And so it, things never, I guess you would say, came to fruition over there. But we always were having people back these guys, and we were fighting against it because where we're at, as the crow flies, you know, we're, we're right against uh, our mine life and right against where these leases are. We could we could be mining those and, and actually, you know, adding jobs and, and, and helping the economy of Itasca and St. Louis County. So all it is, is now, now we have the first step to getting the nod to get the leases and hopefully on the 25th, yep. we'll get them. So the state uh, board is going to vote on the 25th and, you know, we previously had Cleveland Cliff CEO on Sunday today talking about this, talking about the fact that the existing mines were starting to run out of years and how critical this was of how long to 
you know, this extends mining jobs and an operation up there. You talk about new jobs. What does this mean for employment? What is kind of the state of employment in iron ore mining right now on the range? Well, to be honest with you, uh, most mines are hiring. We've, uh, you know, came out of the pandemic and um, due to due to attrition for a number of ways, retirements, people moving on. Um, all these mining companies are really scrambling to get, you know, general laborers, you know, which are operators and craft people, yep. welders. Um, so, so the, the, the state of mining around here, pretty good. They, they're, uh, they're starting to really need workers, but the spinoff jobs that these, these jobs create. So the, the outside contractors that come in and will do some work, um, yep. build, build facilities, extra facilities for us those jobs will be added, you know, so it, it really does it. it. It basically builds up the whole iron range. Chris, when you think about building up the whole iron range and those external or supplemental jobs that come with it, what, you know, you talked about retirement, you talked about scrambling for labor. Are there other barriers on the iron range, housing and other things to get workers there? How, you know, how are, how are wages right now? What's well, just the economy of the Iron Range is always critical to the economy of the state of Minnesota. So I want to kind of take a full picture. Sure. Um, you know, I guess, you know, going through it myself, I have a, uh, I have a son who's in his first year of college and, you know, these kids, they want to get out of here and see places, go maybe go down to the Twin Cities or, you know, where we're at, it's still a pretty, I don't want to stay, you know, ancient, but we have some old ways up here. You know, we, we have rural areas where we don't get the best internet. We have, you know, things like that. And let's face it, it's freezing cold and a lot of snow. So, <laughs> you know, that, that's why these jobs have technically been generational because usually it's people that have grown up here. Parents have worked there. Grandparents have worked there and we just keep turning it over. And we like that, but lately it's kind of been, um, people retiring and nobody there to take them because for whatever reason they've gone to, you know, onto greener pastures, I guess you want to say, but it's, I, I would say the biggest barrier is just we're, we're rural. I mean, you know, we're not like the twin cities where, you know, you're, you're going to a wild game or a twins game. We got to drive, you know, three and a half hours. So yeah. Location. No, I think that, I mean, I think people do understand that. I just, you know, having been to the range for years and understanding it and its place in Minnesota's economy, I think it's one of the puzzle pieces that people continually kind of tried to figure out, right? Is what do we need to do to keep a vibrant range um, when we talk about, you know, environmentalists or other challenges, lower housing, those are things. Um, it's not a issue, but it seems as though there's hope or hope or more thanks to these leases coming up. And, um, and, and have you sensed a different kind of political support or conversation in the last year or two on these leases, or is this a pretty sudden change? Well, you know, I think um, over the last probably couple of years, um, we, we, we've really, really ramped up the the push 
to you know Governor Walls and and the range delegation and and any legislator that would listen to be honest with you, we got community involvement. We had we had a march just to show these people that this is very real, and tried to show what economic impact it would have if Hibbing Taconite shut down. At the same time, why these they can't keep taking a gamble on these unproven companies and all Cleveland Cliffs has vested interests. They're proven. Um, yep. They give to our area. So we just, we, I, I guess we ramped it up. And then, yes, I would say that we had a little bit more backing politically from all sides, from, from local government officials, you know, mayors to the uh, commissioners on the, on the county board to, you know, our range delegation in the cities and then, and then Governor Walls and the DNR itself. I think they finally realized that this project over here could have been going a long time ago. It's time to start, you know, start looking at putting a viable comp company there so we can add to the tax base and, and create some jobs and keep, keep thriving in this area, I guess. You know, um, you're on the ground, you have members you represent, and obviously the politics of the range have changed and you talk about support from all sides, both the range delegation, Democrats, Republicans, the governor. For those of us in the cities or those of us who follow Minnesota politics closely, has the politics changed that much up there? Or is it just kind of overplayed for those of us in the cities? Um, you know, uh, being, being in my position, especially the last, say, presidential election. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, I do, you can sense it. You, you can sense the fact that there are um, stronger, stronger feelings um, on politics than there was before. It used to be, you know, if, if, you know, at least when the older generation was here, if you were a union job, you were a Democrat. Well, we saw some change in that this last go round and it's kind of stayed yep there's still a little fire that's lit there. Um, okay. I think I, and I, Russ, see you there. Yes. Can you hear me? Yeah, keep going. Okay. Yep, keep going. So for the, for, for a number of reasons, but I think mostly environmental and the green stuff, you know, we, we already do this a thousand times better than we did in the seventies and maybe early eighties. We are tested steady. We're doing testing steady. People still don't come out to see how it's done. They go based on what they know from the 70s and 80s. If we could get every person out here, you know, that, that wants to know, if we could do that, we would take them and show them. You could literally drink the water that comes out at the end of our, of our basin because of the fact that we do this environmentally friendly. But when you get factions, whether it be Democrats, whatever you want to say, Fighting against yeah. our way of life, we take that personal. And so I think that is what's sparking the, the trend up here of kind of switching over. I wouldn't say it's it's all the way switched. I think that there's there's a good we're fighting against a certain faction, then yeah, it's it's gonna change. But I, I, I would say you could see by the last elections here that you know, we, we did make some changes, not all the way, but pretty close. And I think that if people don't start listening to us, it is going to change. 
Uh, as we wrap here, Chris Johnson's my guest from Steelworkers uh, up in Hip Tech. If the state approves these leases, when do the when does the mining start again? When do, how long is the lead time to get things up and running again? So you know we're we're uh, we're still running at our at our place now, but what yep. what will happen is you know there will still be some permitting and a few other things that we have to get done. From what we're hearing. Um, it could be four to five years before we can actually break ground there. But, you know, that's really, we, I guess that'll come more into view as they start doing some exploratory drilling maybe and, and kind of get a better look at what's there. But from what we're hearing, it's four to five years. So, you know, it's not like it's a, it's an immediate fix, but it, it, it's definitely going to add decades to Hibbing Taconite whenever we're able to get over there. Chris, thanks for joining me on Sunday Take. Thank you. When we come back, we're going to check up with Mary LaHammer from the Capitol on the dynamics of what's going to get done and what's not and how the final deal is coming together. I'm Blaise Olson. You're listening to Sunday Take on News Talk 830 WCCO. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. As we catch up on this final stretch of the legislative session, nobody better to have than TPT's Mary LaHammer on the mood of the Capitol uh, as we enter this final stretch. Mary, thanks for joining me on Sunday Tick. Absolutely. Hello. So um, let's just start with some of the kind of dynamics at the Capitol. Obviously, we've talked about DFL control. Um, The conference committees have been meeting. I think there's people within the business community, within healthcare, within agriculture, who thought there might be some ability to either compromise or moderate. What's your sense on kind of the mood of these conference committees and leadership to fix some of the things that people just are kind of saying, like, that's a lot to take on all in one session, whether it's regulations or taxes? 
I'd say we're still in to be determined mode. Pretty much all the conference committees are still open on all the major budget and policy bills and haven't really signed off. So there is still time. The question is what the real timeline is. We're hearing leaders want to finish up early and maybe be done as soon as, you know, 14th, 15th instead of going the following week. So if they want to finish early, next week is it. And the clock then is really ticking if business leaders want to get some of these fixes. We had, you know, Mayo Clinic leaning in on nurses at the bedside and healthcare affordability. You had a bunch of NHL players coming to the Capitol talking about sports betting, charitable gambling, and how the changes are affecting those folks. And they were saying, you know, that wasn't partisan, but it's hard when Democrats are negotiating with themselves, essentially, for Republicans to get heard. And we'll see what the business community, you know, boy, so we've been around a long time. We know Mayo pretty much gets what Mayo wants in the past. They do. And yeah, no, they do, Mayor, that's for sure. And um, I want to talk about Mayo because that came out Friday that Mayo said they would move billions of assets or potential investments outside of Minnesota. Um, because of two pieces of legislation. And that's really the first kind of game of, of kind of a face-off we've seen um, from the business community. And uh, one of the issues is that Mayo's a nonprofit, but they're a multi-billion dollar healthcare organization. Um, I know the governor talked about it on Friday. What was, what was your sense? I mean, because ultimately, that's the next question is, where does the governor say no? The governor's been siding with unions and, you know, the Minnesota Nurses Association likes the Keeping Nurses at Bedside Act. And the governor's been very close to unions, teachers unions, nurses unions. But like I say, Mayo is a monolith politically, internationally, you name it. I was around through Destination Medical Center and where that, you know, big investment was looking like it was on the rocks and not going to happen at the Capitol. And somehow... Mayo got what they wanted. So that's what we're seeing. And the other context with Mayo is that Rochester is still kind of a purple city in its legislative delegation. There are Democrats and Republicans. Not sure if that helps them or hurts them in this world of where, you know, there's DFL dominance. There used to be more Republicans from Rochester. We're starting to see, you know, a little bit more more Democrats creep in there. But it is a really balanced legislative delegation. And we'll see what happens on this one. Like I say, if, you know, I'm always a student in history. Mayo usually gets what it wants. Speaking of uh, entities that get what they want, governor's offices, you know, the number we throw around is 60% of what the governor wants, the governor gets. Governor Walls has been different. And obviously, um, he was different when Republicans had control of the Senate in that he, you know, prides himself on no vetoes. He doesn't make threats. He doesn't draw big lines in the sand. It's kind of an ongoing negotiation with all parties to avoid, you know, brinksmanship. Um, But in this case, with DFL having control, I haven't gotten a sense, and I'm wondering if you're starting to hear anything about where the governor might draw a line, not necessarily on Mayo, but maybe it's the corporate global tax. Maybe it's, you know, some of the other proposals that are out there. Just trying to understand... Yeah, interesting you bring up the global tax because the only offer we've seen in terms of budget negotiations 
from Republicans. And the only thing Republicans are relevant on because they don't control any chambers, but Republicans are needed for a supermajority for a bonding bill. And Senate Republicans did put together an offer and that global reporting where Minnesota would go after international corporations who are kind of, you know, hiding their money outside of Minnesota. Nobody else does this. And Republicans said, you take that out and we'll, and some other things and we'll give you the bonding bill. So we always know that bonding and taxes are connected. Democrats have threatened to pay cash. There is so much cash with this record large budget surplus that, yeah, they could do some bonding with cash. But if they really want to borrow for infrastructure projects, they need Republicans to come along. And the first thing Republicans put out there is uh, bringing that global tax back. They'd also like to see a full repeal on Social Security taxes. And when we're talking about what the governor wants, Blaise, the governor has always wanted these rebate checks and he wanted the big rebate checks, you know, about two thousand dollars. The legislature is looking at a couple hundred bucks. I've, I've been talking to folks and I don't know if people are real excited about a couple hundred bucks. No, I think you're right. And I think that's where the governor does ultimately have leverage. Any insight on the way in which governors, whether it was Plenty or Dayton, would play their cards at this at these kind of final weeks? Um, and And one of the things that we all fret about is that a lot of it happens behind closed doors. Um, and so how do we, you know, how do we make sure that that, um, you know, it doesn't surprise people in the end. Do you think this governor's open to that? I think no matter what, it always goes down to the wire, but looping back to what we first talked about, we don't know when the deadline really is. If they're moving the deadline up and want to finish a week early, then that makes negotiations basically all have to happen in the next week too. You know, it, it depends if, if the real constitutional deadline is the actual deadline, because we know the biggest, sometimes most important things are left to the end. It's always taxes and bonding, not just in, you know, the final hours, but the final minutes and even the final seconds. I've watched bonding bills fail, you know, because the clock strikes past midnight. It, It is a game of seconds at the end. And that's often bonding and taxes connected. Back to bonding. The cash number originally was about $2 billion in cash. The sense is, in order to have a balanced budget right now, there's probably $800 million, uh, in cash, whereas Democrats want as much as $3 billion in bonding. Um, is that loosening? Because so many jobs, kind of other issues, labor jobs, are tied to bonding. Um, is that increasing in noise or uh, is it just the same at the Capitol right now? You know, bonding has been really quiet. The only action has been Senate Republicans trying to lean in and say, hey, if you want our votes and need our votes, because by the way, the House already passed a bonding bill with the bipartisan yep. supermajority. So really, the Senate's the only one left that matters. And if they stick with the bill as is, the Senate wants some other things traded, like some of these tax breaks traded. So, you know, it's an interesting play to stay relevant and build that supermajority. It's been remarkable how quiet bonding is, but not unusual because bonding always has a way of surfacing in those last hours, minutes, seconds. I wouldn't be surprised if that's how it rolls again. I think the last wild card that people have kind of watched for in the legislature is that one seat Democratic majority in the Senate Earlier uh, this week, um, Senator Judy Seberger tweeted, and it's gotten a lot of attention. You know, a lot of us are moderate and we're trying to be moderate. 
she's expanded. I interviewed her. I know other people have talked to her that she said, look, I'm not, I, I'm not upset we're passing progressive legislation. Maybe we just shouldn't be as loud about it. There are these, you know, first term senators or some moderate or claiming to be moderate DFLers from the suburbs. You think they're starting to get nervous at the end of the day when they look at the whole picture that maybe some of their constituents aren't very happy or as Minnesotans, are, are they starting to maybe let these people know, you know, look, we wanted to tax other things, but there's a lot out there. The legislators are hearing of, especially these, these first term moderates. You know, what I'm really hearing behind the scenes, especially from the first term moderates and from the real progressives who shot for the moon and got just about everything they wanted early is that was the idea. Do it all, do as much as humanly possible early. That's what the ultra progressives wanted because we all know now how short the memory is of the electorate. So I think some of the philosophy is go for it early and then be more moderate as they get closer and closer to the election. Senators have a lot of time. House members, not as much, but you know, a year, year and a half is a long time in politics. And they can, you know, pull some moderation next session and come out closer to the election for the House members then with a more moderate play. And then senators have a ton of time. So I think there's time yet to do things that look moderate. And there are some people, frankly, at the Capitol say, you know, if the House is going to flip every two years or if the Senate's going to flip every four, that just go for it. If we're going to lose control anyway, that's what some Democrats have said that they didn't they felt like maybe they didn't do enough. But then on the flip side, we were around when Republicans had control and were accused then of overreach, putting things on the ballot and lost control. Yep. So it happens. Fun uh, bill that was up this week and we'll head to the governor's desk is uh, naming Prince Rogers Nelson. There were five people who voted against Prince. Have you thought about what those TV ads might look like? I mean, I, I think we could have some fun with this one. It's actually fascinating to me that that was the buzz of the Capitol. You know, Prince's family and friends were there. There were, you know, these purple signs. They'd get special permission because MnDOT's really strict on highway signs. They'd get special permission for these purple signs. It's a bipartisan bill, a DFL House author, a Senate Republican author. They were standing together. And then all the whispers behind the scenes, behind the cameras, what about those five Republicans who voted no in the Senate? Because everybody went along in the House and especially shot because Senator Eric Lucero, you know, wore a purple jacket, stood up and then he voted against it. It was the buzz of the Capitol. But several of those members are used to breaking off and and not doing what their party or others expect. Several of those members were part of the break off caucus in the House when they were in the House. The House New Republican Caucus, and now they're in the Senate. And this is not unusual for that crew to do their own thing. Absolutely. Mary Hammer, thanks for joining me on Sunday Take. Thank you. When we come back, the take this week. What is the country thinking when they watch Minnesota right now? I'm Blake Olson. You're listening to Sunday Take on News Talk 830 WCCO. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? 
Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. This week's take is really about the transition that our state is in the middle of, or the beginning of, actually. Friday, it came out that the Mayo Clinic kind of drew a line in the sand and a couple pieces of legislation. And it was definitely a moment in which everybody said, whoa, is the legislature going too far? And we don't know yet. Because inside the bubble, there's things to be for and things to be against. But the real reaction will come when people start to feel the impact of this legislature. And it's the considerations of a Mayo Clinic to say that two or three pieces of legislation are going to cause them to disinvest in Minnesota. Yes, you heard me. The Mayo Clinic has threatened to disinvest in Minnesota. That's big. That's significant. And it's something we should consider in the final weeks of the legislature. I'm guessing the Mayo Clinic isn't the only organization or entity thinking about how to move its money. Earlier this week, 3M announced 6,000 job cuts across the country and 1,000 in St. Paul. They're selling land in Minnesota. But what we haven't talked about and we haven't reported on is they're still planning on splitting off 3M Healthcare, which by itself will be a Fortune 500 company. But what are the odds that it will locate in Minnesota? It's part of the 3M headquarters. Shouldn't it stay in Minnesota? Well, the consideration for them are some of the tax proposals and regulatory proposals on the table. And 3M has to consider that, just as legislators need to consider the choices of those big employers, the choices of the small businesses, and the choices of the baby boomers who have retired or may retire, but don't want to pay extra right now in this environment. Minnesota's path on this transition is risky. What we don't know is the considerations that the governor, the speaker, the majority leader are making. Odds are the final global arrangement will still be, amongst all of them, negotiated privately. The bonding bill is a wild card, as you heard Mary say. But I want to give the take, is the take this week is, let's have some considerations. Let's have some considerations that potentially doing everything all at once feels like it's being done to business or done to employers or done to certain people rather than doing it with them. So let's consider 
that business in Minnesota has been good. And business is always considering where it can deploy its capital. And the folks at the capital need to understand that the thoughts of businesses and residents who have mobile capital used to never be about moving, but now it's a daily factor, whether it's on your spreadsheet or where you live and own a home. So consider this. There are consequences and there are opportunities, but nobody wants extreme consequences and nobody expects that everything should be all opportunity. I'm Blaise Olson. That's this week's take. You can check me out with Vanita 620 every Monday through Thursday. We'll be back here for a Mother's Day Sunday take next week. Until then, have a great week. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.